From Duke University, this is Zeroing In, the numbers behind the 2016 election. In each episode, we focus on one number that sheds light on a key issue in the 2016 election. I'm your host, Ronnie Chatterjee, professor at Duke's Fuqua School of Business and the Sanford School of Public Policy. Today, I'm happy to welcome Don Taylor and Michael Cannon. Don and Michael, as you know, we're here to talk about one number behind a hot issue on the 2016 presidential campaign trail. Don Taylor is a professor at the Sanford School of Public Policy at Duke and the Margolis Center for Health Policy. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Libertarian Cato Institute in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Don and Michael, and thanks for being with us. So today's number is an important one in healthcare policy, and it's one that relates to how much Americans pay in terms of premiums for health insurance. And really, when you think about the future of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, it's probably one of the key issues on the presidential campaign trail. So the number we chose for today is 10, 10%. And that's a conservative estimate based on a health affairs study released in July about how much premiums, insurance premiums for healthcare, dropped on the individual market during the first year that Obamacare was introduced. So, Michael, let's start with you. What does it tell you, and how should our listeners think about this as they process what's going on with healthcare in America? Well, first, let me say, I think these sorts of conversations are incredibly important because we do get all bogged down in debates about numbers. And usually those are just proxies for different political preferences. But there's been social science research that shows that people tend to make errors when they're doing math in particular, much more often when those errors favor their political persuasion than when those errors contradict their political persuasion. So when you get a number like this 10% drop in insurance premiums under Obamacare, You really want to hear from someone on the other side of the debate from the person who put those numbers out, because it's the person whose worldview that statistic challenges, who's probably going to find any errors that might be underlying that number. And I think there are some errors underlying this number here. And the simplest way to see those, the error is like this. S&P Global is a a financial information services firm that provides information to investors about what's happening in the individual health insurance market, where people buy insurance directly from insurance companies, as well as the employer-sponsored health insurance market. And what they found is that before Obamacare was enacted, or I should say before it took full effect, the cost of providing health insurance to people on the individual market, which is where this 10% figure comes from, was well below the cost of providing coverage to people in the employer market. But when the Obamacare provisions took effect in 2014, the individual market caught up with the employer market. There's a dramatic increase in the per member per month cost of health benefits on the individual market. And pretty much everyone agrees, I think Don would agree, that that comes from people who had pre-existing conditions entering the individual market, getting coverage there, those folks cost more to insure, and the cost of insuring people on the individual market rose to the point where it matched that of the employer market, which cannot exclude people because they have pre-existing conditions. Now, what this 10% figure is suggesting is that while that was happening, as the cost of covering everyone in the individual market went up, the premiums went down. And that is sort of tough to circle that square. 
how could the premiums go down at the same time the cost of providing that service is going up? And I think that there is an explanation for that figure that is compatible with that surge in the per-person cost in the individual market. And the explanation is this, that what they're looking at is not the entire premium. A lot of the cost, a lot of the full premium for those Obamacare plans is not reflected in the premiums that insurance companies charge to enrollees. And that's because a lot of the premium is being paid by the federal government. There's this thing called a reinsurance program. And what this program does is it taxes almost everyone with a health plan and then uses that money to subsidize Obamacare plans. What that really means is that all of us are paying for a portion of that premium. And the premium that's being cited in that 10% figure or that 10% drop is not showing the full premium. And so we have a situation like if someone said that Medicare is so much more efficient than private insurance because the premiums are so low. Well, under Medicare, premiums only cover about one-eighth of the cost of Medicare coverage. And the rest is subsidized by taxpayers. That doesn't mean that the actual premium is only 13% of Medicare spending. It means the full premium is being subsidized heavily by taxpayers and enrollees only see a small premium. That sort of thing could be going on where we're not looking at the entire premium when we come up with that 10% drop number. And that could be a way to reconcile that estimated 10% drop in premiums with this growth in the cost of providing coverage in the individual market. Right. So, Don, picking up with you, Michael is effectively saying this 10% decline might not be what it appears. And this is the whole point of our podcast here. So how do you look at this data? And do you have a similar interpretation of what that decline is all about? Yeah. So the first thing I would say, if you hear somebody say premiums went down by 10%, went up by 10%, or stayed the same, the first thing you should do is take a deep breath and say, as compared to what? And Michael was talking through some of the as compared to what's. I think I agree with Michael that the impact of reinsurance. And also there's something called risk corridors, which is essentially a floor that an insurance company could lose and also essentially a cap of how much money they could make. Those two programs are something that has been used to try to help government stand up a insurance market that utilizes private health insurance. So I, I think Michael's correct. I don't know how much higher the premiums would be, but I, I think that's a fair point. When we're thinking of the as compared to what, there's some people who have bought Obamacare coverage, some of them had individual coverage before, some of them didn't. Some of the ones who didn't may have been forced in by the mandates, but there are also people that are covered now who were uninsurable before. And so those people, as compared to what is essentially a non-defined set. They couldn't have gotten coverage in the old market. And in one sense, that's part of the point of the ACA. And of course, I think Michael said, I'm sure Don would agree that the alterations, getting rid of pre-existing conditions, the getting rid of lifetime caps, that most certainly would make premiums higher than they otherwise would have been. So there are a series of factors that increase premiums. There may be a couple others that could be a more market-based explanation 
of the 10% figure. So, for example, some companies may have been trying to get market share, so they could have cut premiums below what they otherwise would have had, or they may have been worried that people in the Obamacare exchanges can, you know, comparison shop and so forth. So there could actually be some competitive impact, but that, of course, only holds in counties where there are substantial choices, and uh, in some counties there really aren't. And uh, that's actually one of the things that's changed the most from 16 to 17, meaning there are substantial places where the number of choices of insurance plan offered have decreased. And that's especially true in North Carolina. Right. And Don, just following up on that, you know, some exchanges, California, notable among them, are announcing premium increases for the next year. And I guess the question is, would that cancel out sort of this decrease in premiums, regardless of the exact source of it, that people were seeing in the first year of the healthcare exchanges? Well, I think when you hear 216 to 2017, most premiums are going up. But health insurance premiums typically do go up. It's just a question of, of how fast. The bottom line question, are the Obamacare and private insurance markets working, is really a 50-state answer. They're working differentially in different states. And even within states, some healthcare markets are working much better you know, than others. In North Carolina, I'm an advocate and been a proponent of the ACA, but also a proponent of, of it really needs to be reformed and altered and changed. One of the most worrisome things in North Carolina is we had an expansion of insurance coverage options. And now in 2017, there are only going to be six or seven counties with a choice, and the other 93 counties are only going to have Blue Cross Blue Shield, North Carolina, which is exactly the situation we had prior to the ACA. Yeah. And Michael, uh, going to you, I mean, I think when we look at this 10% number, I took from your comment that it's sort of not showing us the whole cost, potentially. So is there another data point or another trend line that we should be watching when we think about premiums and, and drawing some conclusions on whether Obamacare is working? Or is that the right question to ask at all? Well, it's really, really difficult to put a single number on, okay, this is what is happening with premiums in Obamacare, because the health insurance market is incredibly complex. As Don said, there's a different market in all 50 states. Sometimes there are different markets within states, and they're selling all these different products, even though Obamacare has sort of narrowed the range of plans that insurers are able to sell. There's still some variation among the plans, and people even disagree about how to measure insurance premiums and what counts as a premium increase. Let's say I have a, a health insurance plan that has a $10,000 deductible, and then Obamacare becomes a law, and Obamacare says, well, you can't have that plan anymore. anymore. You have to have a $5,000 deductible. Assume for a moment that the actual cost of providing me coverage hasn't changed from one year to the next. And so the only change has been that I'm buying more coverage because my deductible is lower. Now, to me and to critics of Obamacare, it seems like a premium increase. So I would say my premiums have gone up because of Obamacare. But it might be equally defensible for a supporter of Obamacare to say, well, it's not fair to count that as a knock against Obamacare because you're getting more coverage. 
premiums are not going up because the cost of coverage has not gone up. You're just getting more coverage, and that's what's happening there. So people will defer about whether even to describe that as an increase in the cost of providing health insurance to people. So with so much going on in the health insurance market and different and valid ways of describing what is happening with premiums, how can we really know what's happening? The first place to look is what did supporters of the Affordable Care Act promise and what does the law do? What they promised was that people with expensive medical conditions would get health care. And that costs money. If there are lots of people who weren't getting health insurance before and are now getting health insurance, that is going to increase the cost of health insurance plans because health insurance plans now have to cover a lot more claims. So we should assume that the cost of insurance is going to be going up for that reason. Then the data I mentioned before about how the per member per month cost of individual market coverage has gone up corroborates that. It has gone up sharply beginning in 2014 and now sometimes exceeds the per member per month cost of employer-sponsored insurance. I think that's really the signal here. And there's going to be a lot of noise going on. The premiums will go up by more in some places, less in others, maybe even down in some places because, and Don sort of hinted at this, every year what insurance companies are doing is they're trying to make guesses amid uncertainty about how much money they will need in order to cover all the claims for the people who enroll in their plans. Sometimes they guess too low, sometimes they guess too high, and in subsequent years they make corrections. And so even in Obamacare, you can see premiums dropping in some plans. But generally what's happening is more people are getting coverage. That causes the cost of insurance to rise because you've got to cover all those claims. And that is reflected in the overall trend we are seeing toward higher premiums. It's awfully hard to say premiums are going up by 20% or 30%. It's hard to have one average number or to get everyone to agree on one average number. But we are seeing double-digit increases. The central tendency of those increases seems to be somewhere around 20-something percent. And in extreme cases, we are seeing statewide average increases that are 40, 50, and even 60 percent. We just learned in Minnesota that the average increase could be around 60 percent. So let's talk about that for a second, just as I pivot to Don real quick. So Don, as you look at these numbers uh, that Michael's talking about, I mean, he's right. It's really difficult to find the signal within all the noise from all the different parties talking about this. So when you look at the numbers, is Obamacare working? Is it having its intended effect? And then I'll go to Michael for the same question to close us out here. But Don, what do you think? Do the numbers tell us that Obamacare is working or, or something else? So I'm not sure what the health system looks like 20 years from now, but Obamacare was the first step. And so in my mind, it it has worked in the sense that it put the entire system in play. Um, it's been a terrible failure, in my opinion, of policy that we haven't already tweaked it and had. In my mind, we desperately need a political deal where health reform becomes comes a responsibility of both sides. And I realize Michael, in one sense, maybe doesn't have a side, so it's a little unfair. He's obviously not to blame for that. But certainly for proponents of Obamacare, we've got to get to some next steps to um, bring about more stabilization in the premiums. I think the point that Michael made was a great one about saying it there are many norm very normative aspects of the ACA, like it puts caps on deductibles. So if you had a private plan and you wanted a 10000 or 12000 or whatever deductible for a single plan, and now you can't have it, I might say, but Michael, or but anyone, you've got more coverage. And they might say, well, you know, I didn't want more coverage. And so that's a type of a disagreement that really can't be boiled down to one number. So 
I guess my most basic answer would be it has worked, but it's certainly not something that can just be autopiloted. We desperately need to get back and answer some really basic questions and then respond with more policy. Great. And Michael, uh, last word for you. What do the numbers tell you about whether it's working or not? Well, that's an even more difficult question than the premium question, because whether Obamacare is working, and I'm using air quotes when I say working, really involves a lot of normative values. I mean, that is really a value judgment. It's even harder to get agreement on that than over how to measure something as objective as premiums. My normative standard for whether Obamacare is working or whether any health policy is working is, is it filling in the cracks in our healthcare sector so that fewer people are falling through? Is it bringing better healthcare within the reach of more people over time. On that score, I don't think it is working. And here's why. I happily concede that lots of people are getting coverage right now. Maybe some people, we don't know how many, but some who otherwise would not have gotten the health care that they need. And I'm glad for that part. But the other thing that we're seeing in the exchanges, while most people are arguing about premiums, this is the thing that really concerns me. What we're seeing in the exchanges is a slow and maybe not so slow, erosion in the comprehensiveness of the coverage that is available. The coverage is getting thinner. Uh, It is getting worse on multiple dimensions. And it's happening because the supposedly beneficial and popular provisions of Obamacare that ban discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, which for reasons I could explain, I don't think do that. What those provisions actually do is punish whichever insurance company is caught offering coverage that sick people like, that is most attractive to the sick. So it begins this race to the bottom where insurance companies make their coverage progressively less attractive to the sick, progressively thinner, giving sick people worse coverage from their perspective year after year. And while some people chalk that up to insurance company greed, it's important to recognize that this happens. Obamacare does this. It punishes companies that offer attractive coverage to the sick and rewards the ones that offer unattractive coverage to the sick, even if it's an accident, even if the insurance companies didn't mean to offer unattractive coverage to the sick, like if they just underinvested in call centers. Obamacare still rewards them and punishes the insurance companies who did well by the sick. So for that reason, I would say that Obamacare is not working because as you would expect with any price control scheme, when you put a price ceiling on something, the quality of that something is going to erode. And in this case, that erosion means less secure access to care for the sick. Well, Michael, thank you very much. Don Taylor, Michael Cannon, it's been a great discussion. That wraps up this episode of Zeroing In. I want to thank both of our guests for a fantastic and on-point discussion. My biggest takeaway is that comparing what happens under the Affordable Care Act to what would happen if we never had it is a difficult exercise. And also premiums, something that's very tangible for all of us who pay for healthcare, can be really noisy indicators, making it really difficult to know whether something's working or not. For those who are listening, I hope you found it engaging and useful. We'd love your feedback on Twitter at Aaron Chatterjee. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This is Zeroing In. Find us on iTunes and at DukeCampaignStop2016.org.